Welcome to the Fremont Presbyterian Church Podcast. Here at Fremont, we create space for people to become lifelong followers of Jesus, and we relentlessly pursue His transformation of our neighborhood, our city, and the world. Here's today's message. So last week, I asked us a question. Well, actually, Jesus asked His disciples a question. He turned to them and said, Who do you say that I am? It's a good question for us to continue to reflect on and ponder. Who do you say that Jesus is? But this week, I also want to add this question. Do we believe what he says? I mean, do we really believe when we read his words to the disciples and we take those words as him also speaking to us, do we believe what he says? So with that, I want us to, to turn in our Bibles to John chapter 13, verses 34 and 35. And, and as you're turning there, I'm going to give us a little bit of context. John 13 is this passage in which we, that Jesus has gathered his friends, his disciples, his followers around a table, like we are gathered around a table today. And he has washed their feet as a sign of his love for them that he has come to serve them, lay down his life for them. And at this table and at this meal, he is beginning to tell them what must come soon, that he will suffer and die and, and go away. And these words that he shares, just two verses today, are ones that speak to us today as well. So this is what Jesus said to his disciples and says to us, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must also love one another. By this, everyone, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. This is the word of the Lord. And thanks be to God. Now, I remember the first person that really taught me the truth, the reality of this idea, that that the love of Jesus seen in a community actually is visible and tangible. When I did college ministry in Tennessee, there was a student that, that grew up in the Middle East, growing up with a different language, different culture, different religious tradition, and someone invited him into some of the early gatherings as the college year was beginning. And he spent a lot of time around us. And after a few months, I, I think I took him to lunch or coffee, I can't remember what meal it was, but he said to me, David, the first time I saw this group of people, there was something different about them. You could tell they loved one another. You could tell, he said, they loved one another. Someone from a different place walking into our fellowship saw the reality of these words. Jesus said, people will know that you are my disciples by your love for one another. Do we believe That Jesus meant what he said. We can trust him at his word that the love that we might have for one another is visible to other and drawing them in. 
Going farther back, this is quoted by Dale Bruner in his commentary on John, Marcus Minicius Felix said in the early second century about Christians, they love each other almost before they even meet. It was visible in the early centuries of the church that people that call themselves Christians, followers of Christ, disciples of Jesus, that the love for one another was evident to other people. Consider these words written by Alan Kreider. He says, in the first two centuries of the church, it was not Christian worship that attracted outsiders. It was Christians that attracted them. And outsiders found the Christians attractive because of their Christian habitus. It simply means formation or habit which catechesis, fancy word for teaching, and worship had formed. What is he saying? That the teaching of the early church and the gatherings of worship formed within a community of people, Christians, followers of Jesus, that loved one another so that when they left those gatherings and went to their homes, their neighborhoods, their workplaces, their schools, wherever they were, people knew of their love for one another, and they were attracted to it. They said what my, my, my young friend said to me 20 years ago. There's something different about this group. I could tell that they loved one another. I wonder if how many of us really believe how real these words of Jesus are. Do we take him at his word that Our love for one another is tangible and visible to the world. Because Jesus is saying something remarkable here. How can we tell that somebody is a follower of his? By their love for other people. How do we determine that someone is learning from Jesus how to live their lives? By their love for one another. So if we're going to clearly outline a path of discipleship in in our lives and within the church, we've got to understand how important it is for for us to connect with one another and to invite other people to connect into a community of followers of Jesus. Several years ago as a church, we did a, a survey 250 of you responded to it, and one of the responses is that there wasn't a clear pathway that you all could see of discipleship here at Fremont. Well, part of this series is an attempt to clearly outline that, that we believe that as we invite people to connect, to learn, to serve, that eventually it leads to a place of worship. It's not a formula. But these are the ways that we as a church attempt to provide opportunities within and without the church to connect, to learn, to serve, with the goal being to worship. So when we speak of particular events and programs and ministries here and we say something like, like you heard it today, hey, this is a great opportunity for you to connect. Please do not underestimate the power and the value of that. Some of you may say, oh, I've got a lot of places in my life where I connect. Awesome, that's great. But don't underestimate the power 
of the Christ-centered community that this opportunity to connect with other people does something that Jesus said it would do. That people will know of our discipleship to him by our love for one another, by our connection with one another. So we're to be a community that loves others in the way that Jesus has loved us. As I have loved you, he said, so you must also love one another. Specifically, he says that it's a, it's a love first for others that call upon the name of Jesus, and then it spills out to our neighbor, our coworker, our classmate, a teammate, or friend. Because the context of Jesus' words here is Jesus is speaking to his 11 closest followers. Some of you might say, wait, there were 12. Judas has already left the meal to go and betray Jesus to the religious authority. So he's speaking to the 11 here when he says this. And some commentaries point out that Jesus, knowing that the cross, his death, would take him away from his disciples for a time, leaving his closest friends with many doubts and questions, that Jesus was telling the disciples, stick together. Stay close to one another by loving one another in the hardest of times. He said, love one another as I have loved you. But I think the implications for this are just so fascinating to me. Jesus is saying, I know I've said this multiple times already, but Jesus is saying that other people will really be able to see the love for one another in a community and know that this comes from their following of Jesus. Now, of course, I'm sure this raises all kinds of questions. Well, what does this love look like? Is it just a feeling? Is it an action? Is it an acceptance of other people no matter what? Well, consider this definition from the Baker Encyclopedia of the Bible. It says, Christ's love is no timid meekness, no sentimental mildness, inoffensive and ineffectual, helpless in the face of the world's evil. It is a strong determination to seek others' highest good in all circumstances at any cost. On that simple but demanding principle hang all moral obligation and divine law to love is enough. In other words, as Christ loved us, so too we love others and that love is hard. It is powerful and real. It's sacrificial It tells the truth, but it welcomes people into this fellowship and community because we first have been loved deeply by God. Now, some of you may wonder, like, well, why does Jesus insist on a love for one another first? Why does he do that? Is that excluding? Is is Jesus saying that we... Well, we don't love our neighbor, our classmate, our teammate, or friend, or coworker until 
we really got the love thing down in here? Of course not. That's not what he's saying. But Jesus was telling that there's something unique that happens when a group of people bound together by their confession of Jesus as Lord are together with it, that something happens in that community that people see and they want to be a part of. They're drawn into it. One, one other Bible dictionary said it like this, that love for one's fellow Christians does not exclude, but instead leads on to a wider love. After all, John, the Gospel of John insists that God loved the whole world. And then here are some words that challenge us. Moreover, if love fails within the Christian fellowship, it certainly will not flourish beyond it, but evaporate in mere words. So with that challenge in your mind, how do we make certain that this idea of Christ's love for us pouring out into one another and eventually into the world How do we make sure this doesn't evaporate into mere words? How do we not leave this space and this place today and go, wow, that was an interesting, maybe long message. Um, I wonder what's for lunch. (laughs) How do we make sure that we actually do something about that? Well, the challenge is yours. I have no idea where any of you are going after this. You do. I have no idea, any idea how many of you have plans for Labor Day or the day after that, going back to school or going to work. But the question is to you, what will you do to make sure that this idea of community and connection and loving one another becomes more real in your life this week or today? What is it that God brings to your mind so that this doesn't evaporate into mere words. Let us love with action and truth. So, there's something vital about love flourishing within a community that calls itself Christian. And when that love exists in healthy ways, people Notice, that's what Jesus is saying. And then when we talk about a path of discipleship to Jesus, of belief and following Jesus, we must understand this principle that most people will connect first with a person, with us, as individuals and as a community. And when they do, what will they see? What do your neighbors see? What do your coworkers, your classmates, teammates see? What do they see? Now, it is possible that some of you came to a relationship with God or a relationship with Jesus through a worship service or an event kind of like this. Praise God for that. But I'd be willing to bet that most of you were drawn initially into that because of a person. I know that in my story that I did not, if somebody would have invited me to this first, I would have politely said no for a long, long time. 
but it was the presence of a friend who then I learned was, was part of another community where I was able to ask questions a, a lot like Alpha, like, like a small group of people that weren't scared of my doubts, my questions, or my atheist background. It was people that showed me what the love of Christ was. And let me, let me just assure you that not in a creepy way, I was watching my friends. Not in a creepy way, but my friends that were calling themselves Christians and I was curious about this thing, I watched them. And they loved one another. They seemed to have a joy that I didn't have, a purpose beyond themselves that a lot of 16-year-olds didn't have and I sure didn't. So Jesus was serious when he said, no, when you love one another, people will notice because I noticed. Think about your own story and how perhaps that may have been true for you that that someone, an individual, and then maybe a small group of people was what really made you curious about who God is. So, When we talk about a path of discipleship, let's remember how important this connection is, this community is. And may people see the love of Jesus poured into us and out through us and that we are those people that seek the highest good in all circumstances. And at any cost. You've been listening to the Fremont Presbyterian Church Podcast. For more information about our church, visit FremontPress.org. We'd love for you to join us on Sunday mornings. Our service times are 9 a.m. in the sanctuary for classic worship and 10.30 a.m. in the Community Life Center for modern worship. You can catch the live stream of both services at FremontPress.org. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast to get the latest episode each week. Thanks for listening.